0: Welcome to Deceleration, Deceleration deceleration.news, an online journal responding to our shared ecological, political, and cultural crises. Deceleration is dedicated to seeking out the roots of human and planetary insecurity and moving beyond mere resistance and into the realization of a just and sustainable peace. This week's podcast, 1.5 is the Story. At the conclusion of the Paris Climate Conference in 2015, virtually every country on earth agreed to work together to hold global warming, quote, well below 2 degrees Celsius, or for most of y'all listening, 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit. This goal was chosen somewhat arbitrarily as this point where we could still stave off the, the most destructive manifestations of our climate crisis. While the Paris framework also considered 1.5 degrees as aspirational, increasingly cities are declaring 1.5 their goal right out of the gate. San Antonio planners, now developing the city's first ever climate action plan, are no longer developing two possible paths for council consideration in the spring as they had been. Instead, at the direction of the mayor's office, 1.5 here will be the number to meet. The success or failure of this, this movement from less than 2 to 1.5 or perhaps less, is life or death for many of the world's low-lying island states, representatives of which pushed back hard on the two-degree Paris proposal, insisting that they needed, quote, 1.5 to stay alive. Regrettably, given the limited action by the world's largest economies to date, the world is well on the way to blow past all of these targets. A leaked, IPCC report reportedly suggests that the world may see 1.5 rise by 2040, and while no one on earth will be untouched by the consequences of a hotter and more violent climate, for the millions of the world's island inhabitants, there may be no adapting. In this space between 1.5 and 2, entire island states are in play, To consider what that means on the ground, I spoke with Ursula Rakova, executive director of Tulele Piesa, a nonprofit formed by the elders of the Carteret Islands to direct the relocation of their communities from the O-Lying Island chain to the Big Island of Bougainville in Papua New Guinea. I'd communicated with Rakova electronically off and on since first writing about climate migration and the Cotarets in 2014, but this was my first opportunity to speak with her directly. Here, Rakova speaks of the necessity for local communities to be able to direct their own climate responses. She talks about why, in spite of the reality of the ongoing forced relocation uh, among her own people, that she dislikes terms like refugee and victim. And we talk about the practical needs for Carteret Islanders. These include technological uh, or business assistance in establishing uh, value-added products at their small cocoa farms and investment in renewable energy infrastructure to power operations in these new communities. I hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: It's been a little while and I think um, since we spoke last and I know you had begun the process of uh, relocating um, your Now, how many people on the cateret Atoll, the islands, are being, do you, do you, are you trying to move to the, the big island, uh, Bougainville?
2: Um, we, we, we have only managed to uh, move 10 families okay. um, to our first site. Um, and uh, we need to move into our second side, but um, financial support from the Bougainville government is quite slow. And, of course, in Papua New York, we look forward to the APEC meeting, which um, happens next month, November. And so there is actually a lot of um, excitement and money has been diverted to uh, funding the APEC. That's why a lot of uh, the, a lot of the activities that should be funded are not being supported right
1: now. Mm-hmm. I, list, I, I missed that last part, the, 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 the line kind of went out. I know you were saying that the money was difficult to come from Bougainville, but there was maybe some other opportunities?
2: Um. Yes, like what I'm saying is that there is a big APEC meeting okay. that's coming on in Papua. Yeah, Papua New Guinea in November.
1: And APEC. And can you so a lot that? of the
2: funds uh, Sorry.
1: A- APEC is. A lot of. The APEC meeting,
2: the Asia. Um, uh-huh. Sorry, the yeah Asia Pacific Economic Community meeting. Okay. Yeah, will be held here in Mosby, in Port Mosby, mm-hmm. and so um, much of the funding from the government is being diverted into making sure the leaders are, um, are well treated and that they have a, a meet, they are meeting in, in good places, mm-hmm. and so um, much of the um, community. Activities are not being supported right now.
1: Now I know uh, folks listening to the, who will hear this interview are not going to be familiar with your experience and the experience on the the Cataract Islands. There, um, if I remember correctly yes. from our last conversation, I mean you are on a very low lying island um, atoll uh you're experiencing the, the encroachment of more salty water into your fresh water uh that allows you to 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 do some farming some gardening um the king tides the the oceans have been higher and so they're overwashing the island more how, how would you describe the experience these last 20 yeah. years or so <coughs>
2: the um Greg, the situation is really bad um, I mean, the islands will continue to be there, but um, when we look at food, um, sustainab- sustainably um, uh, growing food to feed families, um, the, um, there is less um, um, less production. Um, that is being harvested by the islanders. Mm -hmm. And so there is more dependence on, dependency on, on store foods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when people, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. when people depend more on store foods, there are also uh, diseases that, um, that the community is now um, coming face to face with. Mm -hmm. Um, There is an increase in, high blood pressure patients, there is an increase in malaria patients, and there is also an increase in um, diabetic patients because of the uh, uh, nutrition, the lack of nutrition uh, being taken by islanders.
1: Hmm. Okay, thank, thank you for sharing that. That probably would not jump top of mind for a lot of people, but there is a, a big change from when you're eating local, um, uh, familiar food, um, healthier food. Uh, obviously, there would be a big change when it's coming out of a package and it's coming from outside of, you know, uh, um, areas and places that diets. Like here, I know uh, a big shift that's happened over the last... Couple of hundred years is indigenous and native people, um, where you know there was a, a you know obviously an attempt to eradicate them from from where I live, but when uh, when. Europeans came, they brought flour instead of corn, for instance. And there were certain kinds of foods that brought... That they, they, they were used to, but, but others were not, and it created a lot of hardship in terms of, uh, I think, public health. So that's an interesting, um, interesting part of this story. Um, and I know you had begun... Uh, we referenced this earlier, but you've been really pivotal um, and have been recognized as a climate-wise woman Um, In part of this program emphasizing the role of local action and women in action around the world responding to climate change and I'm wondering if very briefly you can um, describe this how this process of relocation um, came about and what your ultimate hope is because I know uh, if I recall correctly you know part of this includes also you know not being called Refugees are not being dependent on other people and losing your rights and your ability to develop in the ways that you feel your community should develop. Is that correct?
2: Um, <clears throat> that is correct, um, Greg. Um, we we do not want to be called climate refugees because um, we are not running away from a civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are basically. Um, relocating to safe um, areas because of uh, impact of climate change um, something that um, you know we have not caused but we basically becoming victims uh, falling victims to to this but we also do not want to um, to be seen as victims, um, we want to be seen as a community um, learning new skills, especially in terms of agriculture, mm-hmm. um, um, new gardening skills, so that we we are able to sustain ourselves. Um, and you know the um, when we go back to the um, to. To our initial stages of relocating, Um, this was an initiative by the Council of Elders um, and Chiefs of the Island where um, they wanted to build a a more sustainable community instead of a community that's relying on support from outside.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's a really powerful story, and I think it, it, it is a good corrective for the way people often think about these issues, um, because I think, particularly here in the States, um, we look at... Uh, examples. Well, we see. We only really see these stories, and kind of, you know, every once in a while, there's a sensational story about, you know, the the power of climate change of rising seas and driving people away from their homes. Or we see the protests out of, you know, a international climate summit, um, where uh, low lying island states have a very prominent position. Um, but we don't have the analysis about well, what does this mean for the people who are living there and, and how are they uh, take using their power um, to work to solve um, their issues? And so I know one thing that, that you have tapped into is uh, you know, growing cocoa uh, cacao. Um, and that is uh, you've established, I believe some farms on Bougainville, Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we we have about fourteen farms, mm-hmm. um, and and those uh, fourteen farms are cocoa farms um, mm-hmm. as well as coconut farms. Mm-hmm. Um, and we 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 do have a a dryer where we are drying um, cocoa beans
0: mm-hmm.
2: and selling them um, outside or even locally as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, do you have access, though? I know this has been an issue for growers um, uh, who don't have, um, you know, real-time market data. They, they can be taken advantage of by buyers and, and be short, you know, sold. Um, do you have access to good data? Are you, do you feel like you have, um, uh, are you getting fair uh, purchase prices?
2: No, we, we feel we are not having a fair uh, representation um, where we, we we can export our beans, our dried cocoa beans uh, to overseas marketing, and, and we would like um, we would like those avenues to um, uh, to be made accessible to us. Um, last week there was. Um, Last two weeks ago there was a cocoa um cocoa festival, a chocolate hmm. festival they called it and every year it happens in Bougainville.
1: Oh okay. um,
2: but I, I don't I, I don't see any big chocolate uh, companies coming to attend, it's always the the small chocolate hmm. and you know a lot of uh, cocoa dried cocoa beans um are exported overseas. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and like as much as I I, I appreciate the niche markets mm-hmm. um um, I would also like to see the volume of Bougainville cocoa uh, being exported outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we we have like a huge volume, uh, we should also be adding value to the product like downstream processing and, and that we are producing cocoa butter and cocoa powder.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, this would be kind of an opportunity, maybe, for, for those who are in the business or looking for ways to be of an assistance that, that have kind of that, that background, uh, would be able to, to reach out to you directly. Um, and I know I'll share your, your contact information uh, at, the, at the end of the, the interview. Uh, so uh, potentially, folks, you know, you can connect and, and start looking at ways to develop, um, you know, more um, value-added uh, production. Um, in, in, in relation to, uh, and I know you said this, relocation is, is gone somewhat slowly. Um, there's a lot of, you know, the IPCC is talking about, you know, bringing out their new report, and folks are fairly pessimistic about you know being able to reach this 1.5 degree of warming um, and if that is the case obviously a lot of low-lying island states will will simply be no more um, how have you what are the conversations and that you have had with with others maybe in the Maldives or or elsewhere uh, about that reality you know I, I upload the
2: IPCC report on 1.5 um, percent um, cut of emissions um, my concern is that um, as much as um, as much as other states and nations are, are talking about um, emissions cut um they are communities like ours. Um, already facing severe impact Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, and um, shoreline erosion. And and what do we do with these communities? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's not just the cartridge, it's also the Kiribas, the Tupacans, Maldives, mm-hmm. Bangladesh, the delta is um, is being destroyed. You know mm-hmm. what happens to these displaced uh, communities? What do we do with them? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think we need to um, to look at it in a in a twofold situation. Um, look at the emissions cut. But we should also look at financing communities that are already se- uh, yes. facing severe impact of climate change.
1: Right, right. I was I wanted to I wanted to ask you about that also because um, you know I, it's. It can be tricky for folks to think, um, oh, uh, to, to, to the language. Say, well, we don't want to use, you know, refugee language, but we do want to communicate the urgency of people being displaced from their homes and their communities. And I think the the numbers um, are 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 high, and, and we can get lost in numbers and forget faces too. Um, but you had mentioned, you know. Um, but potentially, you know, being in Alaska and meeting communities there, who uh, obviously we've seen villages drop into the drop into the sea. Um, so when it comes to uh, for for let's say you can say the United States, you know, very wealthy country, which is wrapped up in a, in a deep and, and violent uh, debate over not just the nature of climate change, but but this 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 um, resistance to uh, in any way admitting its its culpability as um, as a young uh, industrial um, uh, young relatively right uh in, industrial power that's you know emitted most of the you know along with western Europe most of the uh, climate pollution historically uh, you know this i this idea of a green climate fund um, it's, it's just it's just it has, something like it has to move forward we need you know global governance international cooperation working uh, to as you say assist those who have already and are being today uh, displaced move from their homes um, how do you and, and those that you organize with speak to these kinds of issues in terms of you know, those who are historically have these such massive debt to the rest of the world and those that they are impacting. We um,
2: we do not want to be called climate refuge because we um, would like to, um, to move with our dignity as well. Uh, and um, um, having said that, um, you know, for us in the cartridge we um, we are fortunate to have Bougainville as a bigger island that we can move to. Mm-hmm. But what happens to smaller nations, island nations like the Kiribati, mm-hmm. the Tuvaluans, um, they do not have those bigger islands to move to. Right. But they are countries like New Zealand and Australia who who are neighbors to this um, to these smaller nations mm-hmm. um, are they going to look at developing policies where they can uh, begin to accept these people into their countries or not And that's a big question
1: right um, I know there have been applications made in Australia for um, relocation. Um, based upon climate displacement, and this was a couple of years ago, but I believe they were rejected. is that correct? Um,
2: yeah, because I mean when when we look back at um, at um, uh, climate change impacts, and then um, some two years ago, um, you know, there were asylum seekers dumped here in Papua New Guinea, as if Papua New Guinea does not have an issue of um, climate displacement. People already on its hands. So this is tripling the issue of um, relocation for other communities in, in Papua New Guinea as well. I mean, Manus. Manus Island is an island province that's also um, We're
0: losing
1: your signal a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm also. Um, oh,
1: that's your, better. Your
2: voice is coming on and off as well.
1: Okay, that's better right there. Well, let me ask you, while we still while we have a connection, um, what is interesting, I think, climate-wise women in uh, the, the, the movement around that, uh, in recognizing folks like yourself and women from around the world, uh, who are obviously also the most impacted, we forget this sometimes, that... Uh, that, that women uh, tend to suffer the most under extreme weather, uh, under climate change, under forced relocation, or in refugee camps, or whatever, uh, in war and conflict. Um, how did you uh, yourself uh, develop into uh, into uh, such a leadership position, and uh, why is it important that uh, people understand your story and the stories of others in terms of you know of, of gender of women having power?
2: I, I come from a matriarchal society where women. Hold learning trust for um, future generations, and um, being uh, being, um, being coming from a matriarchal society has actually um, encouraged me to to help in in the way that I could. And when the elders and chiefs approached for um, for us to get organized and and um, to help in in moving some people.
0: to help
2: because I would I, worked, I worked, um, in long, um in a long while we had chose in and I felt it was easy to help my own people this way. Mm-hmm.
1: And what was it like meeting other women from so many other communities who were doing similar work.
0: Coming from when, not uh, matriarchal yeah,
2: when, societies, when met, uh, yeah. When when I met when I met um some of the women, um in New York in 2009, it it all, it actually encouraged me to um that there were also women out there who were um see who were doing similar work to to the work I was doing and um and this is why we we. Um, we co-founded the Climate Wise Women, and um, I feel that Climate Wise Women generally focuses on women who are already doing um, little things in their own communities and trying to help their community prosper beyond the being victims of climate change. Um, in these Climate Wise Women, we have. Someone from uh, some women from Africa from the Pacific from um, uh, from Australia and um, even the United States as well so all these women share common values um, of helping and trying to help out in any possible way they can and it's a group. <laughs> Um, they share their experiences and with these experiences they take learnings and try to apply those learnings in their own communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, um, the climate wise women focuses on, on women who, who are actually being so much to help themselves, but it advocates for them internationally as well. Um, and while advocating for the work of these women in their own communities, um, it attracts um, uh, pitch-and-pieces or small funding from um, foundations who are willing to help to continue the work of these women in in their own communities. Um, So I I actually applaud the work of Tracy Men, who is coordinating mm-hmm. this um, climate wise women because she plays a big role in in make, in helping to um, get foundations to support the work of these
1: women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and how has i know there, there's been um, uh, some s- serious weather in that that part of the world and i'm wondering how have you and and those at Tuvalu or Cataracts or Bougainville fared.
2: I I I have met um, um, women from Tuvalu um, in some of the UN um, UN meetings. Um, and and what they are trying to do in their own communities is to build adaptation projects, um, especially in, in in Kiribati and uh, and Tuvalu. And they 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 do not want to move, but they do want governments um, to support and help them uh, build um, sea breakers around their islands. Um, which is going to be more expensive, but um, I think they they deserve to be uh, f- supported financially. And I think there should be more sharing between the Pacific Islanders. Um, where um, you know, they, they can share ideas and, and take whatever learning they can take. Um, and and the, the meeting that's going on in, in encouraging Alaska, um, involving Pacific Island communities and Alaskan communities, sharing, um, sharing their experiences about climate displacement and relocation, is a good avenue for um, such sharing to, to go ahead. And I would I would encourage um, this kind of sharing and learnings to continue to take place. Mm-hmm. Where communities impacted by climate change um, begin to to lead the way into finding their own solutions.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I wasn't familiar with that gathering, so I'll have to check that. I I know that you know one thing here uh, in the U.S. We just had the uh, Global Action um, uh, 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 Conference out in San Francisco, and there were folks here from San Antonio that went out, well, some were inside on the panels and some were outside protesting, but uh, I think the message overall that I heard back was that whether from an institutional perspective or from uh, an activist perspective, that the answers that folks are looking for, uh, the nation states, the international community broadly, Aren't, aren't delivering. And so the solutions have to be locally driven. They need to come from the bottom up and in and, and these kind of these regional networks and solidarity. And it sounds very much like what you're describing is is what people here are also hearing.
2: I, I think it will be the, um, the way out into um, um, the into, uh, mitigating climate change and uh, communities on on the ground have to lead away um and and it's you know um doing action now that matters most and that will matter matter in the in the next um uh, with the next generation um, the other thing i i also would like to emphasize to emphasize here is that um local solutions are vital in the sense that people know what they want and people know what they need um, but they need to be supported um, in those initiatives by um, by big um, by financial institutions like the climate investment fund or the green climate fund right um, communities need to be, um, accessing this, um, these funds. Um, but at the moment, I'm not sure if a community, a single community is accessing any of that funding.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, uh, I, I agree with you uh, 100%. And I know that the funding... Uh, has been far, far less than what was originally pledged, I know at least from from the u s and and where it's going, how they're determining, you know who qualifies. Um, those are huge issues. Um, so something to be watching and advocating around because i um, there is definitely that was the idea I was hinting at is that there's there are these legacies and historical debts that um, and just simply, it's it's the right thing to do, right? Um, so uh, that's well noted. Um, Ursula, um, do you have anything closings, anything that we haven't covered um, in this conversation that you would want to add?
2: Yeah, Greg, I, I'd just like to add one one more little thing here. Um, I, I feel that. Communities um, need to be supported with clean development energy. And, and in places like um, the cartridge, Tuvalu, Kiribati, where um, you don't need to buy to purchase the heat from the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, solar and windmills um, are, are appropriately um Clean development mechanisms so uh, eco-projects such as those mm-hmm. will go a long way into helping these communities find their own uh, and sustain their own livelihoods.
1: Ursula there's a lot of respect and appreciation for your work. I know around the world, and I want to offer mine as well. And I look forward to uh, our next conversation. I wish you well in your all of your work.
2: Thank you, Greg, and nice, um, nice sharing um, this interview with you. Thank you so Absolutely. much.
0: Absolutely, thank you. Deceleration is a joint effort of uh, myself and my wonderful partner, Marisol Cortez, and uh, we blog,
1: write uh every once in a while at deceleration.news and every once in a while throughout one of these podcasts but we'll be trying to do uh, a little bit more as san antonio uh, pushes through with his climate plan uh, a great opportunity
0: for community dialogue see you next time